Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. We are uh, back after a week off. Um, it is good to be back. Joined again by Michael Miller and Pastor Daniel Yelverton. Hello. Hey, guys. Um, it is Tuesday, May 28th, and today we are on 1 Corinthians 10. Um, so we, we took a week off. Uh, we posted about it on our Facebook page. Just letting you guys know that sometimes we just need a little break to kind of reset refresh all that kind of stuff um if we're doing this every week i think that's kind of important for us to to kind of refill yeah. um mm-hmm. and do that so we we appreciate you guys's patience um we got some responses out there uh on facebook when we posted that so we thank you for the responses letting us know that it's okay that uh, you guys are cool <laughs> with it um but we are back now and we are in first corinthians Last week uh, would have been our first chapter in 1 Corinthians, and we're now on 1 Corinthians 10. So um, what we're going to do is take um, a resource that we've actually referenced on here a few times before, The Bible Project. Uh, They have a really good video. It's about eight minutes long. Um, It would just be audio for you guys at this point. But we're going to go ahead and play that and let that be our context and our setup for the chapter for this week. Um, And then we'll come out of that. Uh, We might discuss just a little bit, and then we'll go into the scripture reading for today from the Dwell app, and then we'll get into our conversation. Um, Did you guys have anything you wanted to add before we get into that? I just wanted to reiterate how awesome Bible Project is. Like, get on YouTube and and subscribe to those dudes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a free deal like they don't do um advertisements on theirs it's all um donation based and such and man they put out such good content mm-hmm. uh i do i do a lot of i think i'm a, uh, like like you guys i'm a like a visual learner mm-hmm. and sometimes like an audio learner like a, probably a lot of people that listen yeah. to the podcast <laughs> so Audible. so like i i love listening to these guys cuz they've really helped me learn a lot in the last couple of years mm-hmm. they they're awesome and talk about real quick uh those the resource thing that you got that you have back in your office um from oh them. yeah so my uh my mother-in-law for my birthday she bought me this it's not really a coloring book but i'm using it like a coloring book <laughs> Nice. So, so <laughs> still gets coloring he's books. He's coming for, down to yeah, the kids. Though. I know exactly. You know, it's, it's really cool though. So, what these guys in the Bible Project do, you won't see this because it's the podcast. But <laughs> what they do is, is they have like cartoons and and different, uh, just different drawings to kind of illustrate what's going on. Well, you can buy, um, you can buy those really really expensive printouts. Um, that you can hang on your wall, but you can also buy this book, and the book was like twenty five or thirty bucks. Wow. And when my mother-in-law bought this thing, she thought it was like a coloring book-sized book. This thing's huge. <laughs> that, like I, I frame, I colored this thing and I framed it and I put it on my wall. And basically, the one I put on my wall is the first one I finished was Matthew. Yeah. So it, it just goes through all the chapters of Matthew, just exactly like they do in their videos. Mm-hmm. And it's just awesome. Wow. So yeah, so you can go on. Basically, you can go on. I guess it's BibleProject.com. Don't quote me, but I think it's something like that. Mm. I'm um, sure there's a link too in the YouTube. Yeah, you can go and you can buy, you know, all kinds of cool stuff that supports their ministry. So yeah. I would definitely suggest getting that little the, the I'm not sure they it's not, they don't call it a coloring book, but get the coloring book. <laughs> <laughs> and some crayons, don't forget the crayons. Yeah. Um all right, so this is like I said it's the um the audio from their about 8 8 and a half minute video and it takes you all the way through um all of the setup, all the context for what is happening and why we have the book of 1 Corinthians. So this is the Bible project. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, written to a church community that Paul knew really well. Corinth was a major port city in the ancient world and had lots of temples to Greek and Roman gods. It was a big economic center. And so Paul strategically came here as a missionary. 
He spent a year and a half there getting to know people, talking to them about Jesus. And a whole bunch of people became followers of Jesus and formed a church community. You can read about all of this in Acts chapter 18. So after a while, Paul moved on to start churches in other cities, and he started getting reports that things were not going well at all back at the church in Corinth. It was plagued by all kinds of problems, and that's why he wrote this letter. It's broken up into five main parts along with a final greeting. And these five sections correspond to five main problems that Paul is addressing. And so the letter reads like a collection of short essays on different topics, but there are these core ideas that unite all of the pieces together. So here's what he does in each section. He describes the problem, but then he always responds to that problem with some part of the story of the gospel, which is the good news about Jesus. And he shows how they're actually not living out what they say they believe. And so this letter is all about learning to think about every area of life through the lens of the gospel. So let's dive in and see how he does it. In chapters 1 through 4, the problem is that there are these divisions in the church. There are some other teachers who had come through town since Paul left, a guy named Apollos and then Peter, and people had picked their favorite teacher and then became groupies around that leader and then started to talk bad and disrespect people who favored another leader or teacher. And so Paul, his response to this is kind of sarcastic and sharp. He says, you have to be kidding me, right? The church is not a popularity contest. The church is a community of people who are centered around Jesus. Its leaders and its teachers are simply servants of Jesus. So while you might prefer one leader more than another, it's not worth dividing over and certainly not speaking poorly about each other. The center of the church is Jesus and the good news about who he is and what he's done. In chapters 5 through 7, Paul addresses some problems related to sex. There were a number of people sleeping around in the church, one guy with his stepmother, a number of other people still worshiping at the local temples to greet gods and sleeping with the prostitutes who worked there. Not only that, but there were people in the church who were saying that this was all just fine. They said, hey, we're free in Christ. God's grace is bottomless, right? It's fine. Paul says it's not fine. And with the gospel in hand, he shows just how wrongheaded this kind of thinking is. He says, remember, first of all, Jesus died for your sins, including the ruin of broken relationships that's caused by sexual misconduct. And so if you're a Christian, sexual integrity is one of the main ways that we respond to Jesus's love and grace. Paul also reminds them that just as Jesus was physically raised from the dead, so our bodies will be raised from the dead, which means this. If your body is being redeemed by Jesus now and in the future, then what you do with your body matters. It matters a lot. And it's not yours to do whatever you want with. Paul's being super clear. Being a follower of Jesus involves no compromise when it comes to sexual integrity. In chapters 8 through 10, the issue is about food, but not just food preferences, like do you like or dislike a certain food. The issue the Corinthians were divided over is meat that came from animals sacrificed in the local temples to Greek and Roman gods. And there was a split between the Jewish and non-Jewish Christians about how to respond to this issue. And once again, Paul appeals to some core ideas from the gospel. He says, our allegiance, first and foremost, is to Jesus as Lord, not to any other gods. And so if you're in a situation where there's meat that's been dedicated to another god, 
and there are people around who might watch you and conclude, oh, look, hey, Christians worship Jesus, and they can worship other gods too. Paul says if that's the scenario, don't eat the meat. Your loyalty is to Jesus, and you should love those people more than yourself and not mislead them. But Paul quickly qualifies this and says, listen, as Christians, we believe God is the creator of all things, including that animal. And the temple idols, we believe, are just pieces of wood and stone. So if there's no one around who's going to misunderstand your actions and you're hungry, eat up. You're free as a new human in Christ to follow your conscience in these kind of debatable matters. So what makes it okay in one situation to eat but not in the other? The core principle is love. Love will deny itself and look out for the well-being of other people. And love, God's love, is at the core of the gospel. It's what Jesus did when he died for us. And so Paul says it's what Christians should do for other people. In chapters 11 through 14, Paul moves on and addresses problems in their weekly worship gathering. There were some people who were having really powerful spiritual experiences in the gathering. And so they would start praying out loud in unknown languages. There were other people who might start sharing a teaching or a word from God, and then someone would get up and interrupt them because they wanted to share. And it all was really chaotic, and it was distracting people, especially visitors, from hearing the gospel. So in these chapters, Paul helps them think, first of all, about the purpose of this gathering to help them see what kind of behaviors are appropriate. He says the gathering is a place where God's spirit should be working through everybody and it should happen in a unified way. So he develops this cool metaphor about the church as a human body. It's one, but it has all these different parts. And each part serves a unique and important role. So he goes on to name a whole bunch of things that the spirit does through all these different people, all for the building up of the church. That's a key phrase in these chapters. And Paul concludes that the highest value in the gathering should be a concept central to the gospel, God's love. And love is a key word in these chapters, too. Love will compel each person in the gathering to use their role to serve and seek the well-being of others. So Paul applies all this to the Corinthians' problems. Some people think the purpose of the gathering is to have intense spiritual experiences or to get a chance to speak their mind. And Paul says, listen, I'm a big fan of powerful experiences of prayer, but if it distracts other people or freaks them out, I should stop it because I'm loving myself more than I'm loving those people. The gathering around Jesus should be orderly so everybody can learn and sing and worship and hear God speaking to them. The last problem Paul addresses is the issue of Jesus' resurrection and the future hope of Jesus' followers. There were some people in the church who were saying that the idea of resurrection is ridiculous and doesn't really matter to being a Christian. And Paul reacts to this big time. He begins by saying that the resurrection is an indispensable part of the gospel. We believe in it because of the hundreds of eyewitnesses that saw Jesus alive in a physical body after being publicly executed by the Romans. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, Paul says, then his death was meaningless. We are all still lost in our sin and selfishness. We should just stop being Christians. Paul then shows in detail how the resurrection was Jesus' victory over death and evil, how it's a source of life and power for us now in the present, and how it's a promise of future hope for the whole world. It's because of the resurrection that we have a reason to be unified around Jesus, 
It's the reason we have motivation for sexual integrity. It's the source of power for loving other people more than ourselves. And ultimately, it's our hope for victory over death. And so, Paul concludes, we do believe Jesus was raised from the dead, which means this. The gospel is not just moral advice or a recipe for private spirituality. It's an announcement about Jesus that opens up a whole new reality. And that's what 1 Corinthians is all about, seeing every part of life through the lens of that gospel. All right, you guys, that was uh, the Bible Project talking about 1 Corinthians. And um, so now we're going to go into our um, scripture reading from the Dwell app. Uh, We were just talking a minute ago while that was playing that we really enjoy the way that they broke that down and kind of described what Paul is addressing in each chapter. Um, And so obviously we are on chapter 10 today, and that is the um, final chapters of the 8 through 10 where they're talking about food, sacrificial meat, um, and it goes into love and denying yourself for the betterment of others um, in association with that. So we'll go right into the scripture reading here, and this is 1 Corinthians 10 from the Dwell app. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, The people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. We must not indulge, and sexual immorality, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, Let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices, participants in the altar, What do I imply then, that food offered to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. 
you cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy are we stronger than he all things are lawful but not all things are helpful all things are lawful but not all things build up let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof if one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience but if someone says to you this has been offered in sacrifice then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience I do not mean your conscience but his for why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience if I partake with thankfulness why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of God give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the Church of God just as I try to please everyone in everything I do not seeking my own advantage but that of many that they may be saved all right that is our Bible project and scripture reading for today hopefully you guys are feeling caught up and uh, officially filled in on everything that is about first Corinthians and where we are um, so where do you guys want to go uh, Brent I just can't stop giggling <laughs> sorry so what you guys have to understand is I right, like behind the scenes <laughs> what we do is 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 Brent is a genius okay he, he masters all these uh, all the stuff and like thank you for all the cool stuff you do you know all the digital mixing and stuff editing and all kinds of stuff yeah, yeah. making thank us look way better a genius so, for pushing so, buttons so what happens is <laughs> me and Michael just sit in a chair and drink things and like try not to like let our head fall on the yeah. table <laughs> That's so, a good day for us. So what happens is we have conversation, you know, back and forth while Brent's fixing a few things, you know, before we go to the next part of the podcast. So funny things happen that are completely unrelated to what we're talking about. So so not right now, this reminds me of, of something that happened to me when I was a kid because funny things happen and you can't stop laughing because I remember I went on a missions trip when I was like 12 and had nothing to do with the, the, the sermon, but I look up. And there are sparkles on the ceiling. Okay, and I'm 12. I'm in a church, and I'm 12, and there's sparkles on the ceiling. Why that was funny to me, I don't know. But I am just trying my best not to lose my mind laughing. And then the pastor, and as part of a of a point, he says, and that was one bad motor scooter. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is in Texas, right? <laughs> I'm like... One bad motor scooter. I'm about to pee myself laughing in church. And, you're, and and this is like a super strict Baptist. Why a super strict Baptist church would have sparkles on the ceiling? I don't know. But that's that's where I'm at right now, Brent. Because Brent cracked us all up and I can't compose myself. And it's terrible. <laughs> this is a good segue. We're doing good right now. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So you guys are really well resourced. And now the, uh, the bumbling... Uh, Chattering heads are getting back on the podcast now. I know they've got like the Bible Project and they got the Dwell app, and then they were like, "Yeah, we and can't. These we guys. can't stop yeah. laughing." Um, so, anyways, uh, yeah, I um, I I like First Corinthians. First Corinthians is it's a challenging book to read because mm. it's it's very specifically uh, written to 
the church in Corinth. This is one of Paul's first churches that he plants. Yeah, It's a church that is very close to his heart. Mm-hmm. He actually writes them three letters. Four. Oh, for, sorry, four letters. Yeah. And so one of them was like a really like seething, like scathing letter of yeah. like, you guys got to get your act together kind of stuff. And that letter's lost. So we don't have mm. that letter. Uh, and that actually, I think, comes in between first and second Corinthians. Yeah, well they, scholars say. No. So what they say is that there's Corinthians A, B, C, and D. So what we have is B and D. Because in first Corinthians, I forget exactly where. But he's like, you know, he mentions that I wrote you before. Mm-hmm. So there's a lost letter that he has already written them. So first Corinthians is Corinthians B. And then and then in Corinthians D <laughs> or Second Corinthians, he's he talks about this, you know, scathing letter that he already wrote them. And this letter doesn't appear to be that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean I mean, Paul says some tough things, but he's he's kinda He's he, he's even tempered, you know, in this. Well, he's giving them like, because uh, even says he, he's giving them like almost spiritual milk. Uh, he yeah. says that in First uh, Corinthians chapter three, uh, how like, you know, he wants to give them stuff that they can be able to work with, they can understand, and so that's why he's kind of dealing with some of these issues because there's a huge cultural difference between uh, the people of Corinth and the church, or should be the church in Corinth, and so the culture is beginning to bleed into the church, and so they're having a lot of issues with mm-hmm. that, uh, with uh, the way you deal with food, sacrifice to idols, and that's something that we talk about today. The, they had divisions all throughout the church. Yeah. They had issues with sexuality and like what was considered okay and what was acceptable among the people of God. Yeah. And so all of these things, Paul is kind of walking them through kind of the baby steps of what it looks like to be a follower these of Jesus. These dudes needed it. Yeah. I won't go into the detail that I told Brent earlier because yeah. there's, <laughs> there's some crazy rated R type stuff that, that was going on. But but one thing I will share uh, that, that kind of highlights what Paul was dealing with with these people is um, in Corinth there was probably at least 200,000 people in the city. So it was a, it was a big city for the, for the day. Mm. And... Um, and, and, and the largest um, temple, the pagan temple, not a Christian or not a Jewish temple, you know, but in the largest pagan temple, they employed, in their historical records to show, that they employed a thousand temple prostitutes. Now, that's just in one temple, mm-hmm. okay? In one city, yeah. right, in Corinth. But this is, who, this is who Paul's addressing. And I was kind of doing the math, thinking about how big Blanchester is, the town that we live in here. Or that we serve in. I, I live here. You jokers don't, but I live here. Um, I'm working on it, right? But and we're and we're kind of the, the the largest church in Blanchester. So like doing the math, that would be like if this church employed twenty five people as full time prostitutes. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Like when you when you when you bring it to bring it home, like could you imagine? I mean, you know, we have some staff members, and we're not doing that. <laughs> but could you imagine if we employed twenty five prostitutes in this place? Mm. That so, and, and imagine if the people here thought that it was okay, and in fact they thought it was holy. Yeah. Like if, that would appall us. Mm-hmm. But they thought it was holy. Yeah, yeah, that's nuts. So people are trying to bring those kinds of things because see. <laughs> what what Paul was teaching is how how we're free. We're we're not slaves to sin. Mm-hmm. And some people were taking that message the wrong way, mm-hmm. like as if Paul was saying, "Oh, there's no such thing as sin. We can do whatever we want." And I think that we can really we can bring that to our culture now. Yes, yes. I mean, well, I think yeah, that's that exactly what I was going to say. Like it, that's absolutely a human condition where. 
whenever, you know, we get that opportunity to have the freedom to do it, sometimes we will just kind of, we'll take it and take advantage of it and go and do whatever yeah. we want to do with it. And I love how Paul talks about temptations in, in this too, how temptation, you know, that no temptation is new to man. Like that the temptation for all of us to fall into depravity is always, is yeah. always there. It was yeah. there for Corinth and it's there for us now, you know, but God is always, he always gives us an opportunity to choose him. He always gives us an opportunity to go out, but that is the kind of, I guess that's the the gambling, not the gambling, but the, it's kind of the the high stakes that God has when it comes to freedom. Because when he gives the freedom for us to choose, we can choose poor, poor decisions. And we can say that, you know, hey, I'm forgiven. I'm good. I've got freedom now. I've got right. freedom purchased by Christ. So now I can kind of go do what I want to. And that is like, and Paul's saying that's absolutely not, it's absolutely not the case. And if anything, that is just, you know, that's taking our, our freedom that uh, Christ gave us and just abusing it. Yeah. I think, I think he says it really clear back in Romans chapter six, because Romans chapter five, he basically gives us this thing and we're like, okay, you know, yes, we're all guilty because in, in, in like the, the shadow of Adam, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that Jesus basically, he, he does the work and we're good to go, you know, as long as we place our faith in him, right? Yeah. So, and, and and it's interesting how chapters work because we like to read a chapter and we're done and then forget about it and then go to the next chapter the next day or the next hour or whatever. Well, here in Romans chapter 6, he starts off with a question. Referring back to Romans 5, he says, what shall we say then? <laughs> Are we to continue continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Mm -hmm. And I think that applies here. Yeah. Um, in in First Corinthians uh, chapter ten, where the backdrop. So I know we gave the whole backdrop, but like specifically, like eight through ten, what Paul's talking about is this idolatry issue, right? Mm -hmm. And Paul is kind of soft. He's kind of nice in the way that he tackles it. Because he could have, uh, I, I'm not better than Paul, but I think I could have wrapped this argument up in about three sentences, and he goes on for three chapters, mm -hmm. because of how kind he is with the way that he approaches it. Mm -hmm. The issue that we're talking about is, again, these people that were worshiping idols, that were doing crazy things, right? Mm -hmm. Some of, the, they, they moved away from it, right? And some of them were struggling with it, right? And, and so the struggle was, man, can we eat these this this these meats that were sacrificed to idols because they would sacrifice these meats to their gods right and then they would go to the market and then they would sell the meats right some of these guys are like I can't I can't do that man this reminds me of the idol worship that I was in yeah and I just I feel dirty I feel sick I just can't do it mm -hmm. and they were saying and you can't do it either and then there are other people like dude I was Jewish before I, I converted uh, that don't bother me a bit. Those those idols are nothing to me. I don't I don't care. Mm. You know that they're, they're not even real gods. You know, whatever. And 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 you had Jews that felt the exact opposite way. That like those were, were you know offered to another god. I, I can't touch it. Mm. So you had a diverse you know opinions on this this eating meats that were sacrificed to idols. And I think Paul takes an amazing and mature lack of a stance on this. Hmm. Yeah, because when you read through these chapters, he's like, I mean, this is this is the 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 new and improved Mike Miller version, <laughs> this is the condensed version. He basically is like, look, guys, if this you know makes you want to go back into idolatry or you feel uncomfortable with it, don't do it. Yeah. But if if you're not caught up in that, you're free to eat what you want to eat. 
So, but the thing that I, I, I think is brilliant is the relationship PC adds to this. Mm. Paul's basically saying, look, however, let's say Brent can't eat meat, sacrifice to idols. He just, he can't do it. It just brings you too close to your past, right? Yeah. Daniel shouldn't come in here and be like, mm, guess where I got this steak from? Yep. You know, <laughs> you want a piece, Brent? It's so delicious. You know, like, you should, yeah, you know, Paul saying, don't, front of me. <laughs> yeah, Paul saying, don't tempt each other that way. And, and there's an interesting thing that I think is hard for us to understand as Christians because we like things to be so black and white. Mm-hmm. There are things that would be sin for me to do mm-hmm. that are not sin for Daniel to do. Mm-hmm. And that makes us uncomfortable because we want it to be like black and white. Yeah. But there are things that tempt me to do something more. For for example, I'm just being really honest. I'm a big dude. You guys aren't. <laughs> and I I need to be be more careful about with you know about what I eat because you know I need to take care of my body so I can actually serve God. Right. Yeah. Now, Brent, if you if you come in here and you're and you have a, a box of donuts, big deal because you're not like a fat slob like I am. Right. <laughs> I need to abstain from some of these things and and maybe maybe it might even be sinful for me to eat two or three donuts and for you it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. So the, the and the reason why I picked donuts is because it's food and it, and it kind of applies here because it's food. The point I'm making is is if you're convicted about something you need you need to pay attention to that conviction and follow the way the spirit is leading you. Mm-hmm. And if someone else tells you that they're convicted against something don't tempt them. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're like, Michael, you bring up a great point in that following Jesus means taking con- the consideration and taking the needs of others over yes. yourself. Yes. I mean, it says that in Philippians too. It says, you know, consider the needs of others over yourself. Like take the mind of Christ who took the mind of a servant. It said, um, you know, it says this in, um, in, in Philippians two, three, it says, don't, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. With humility, consider others more significant than yourself. And so this this process of like looking out for our other people that were around and seeing, okay, Brent struggles with this, so I'm not going to to participate in this. But you do bring up a great point, Michael, about having different things that we struggle with. We don't all struggle with the same things. Like so, one a personal example for me is, I I can't. Well, I don't have any video games on my phone. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, that is just it's it's been Good an point. issue. That's been just something that I have struggled with and I have lacked self-control in. And so to just not even go down that road, I don't even put, you know, video games on my phone, you know. And so that doesn't mean that, you know, no one else can have stuff around their phone or, or around me and stuff like that. And if somebody wants me to play, you know, something on their phone, I'll just, you know, kindly say, you know, uh, no, I'm good, you know, kind of thing. And so. And, but it's 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 looking out for that other person, right? It's looking out for the conscience of other, of other people and noticing like that person really struggles with this. Like if someone is, you know, struggling, you know, with a pre- past addiction to alcohol. Yeah. I'm over 21. I have the ability to buy alcohol if I want to. Like I have the freedom and the right to be able to do that. But I'm not and going. And you don't have an addiction to it. And I don't have an addiction to it. And yeah. so like, but I'm not going to sit there and. Uh, walk with a brother who's struggling with that and then just act like it's no big deal for me, you know? And so that's where I think we, we really have to take, uh, the application here is that we have to take in consideration the interest in the needs and the struggles of other people so that we can bear their burden so we can walk with them. So we don't use that. Uh, I love what he says. He says all, all, all things are lawful. It says at the very end of, 
uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Mm-hmm. And so there's things that I know that I can do, but there's things that I know that are going to be a hindrance or a hurt to other people. And so yep. even the law of the land says that I'm able to, to buy alcohol. The law that I have under Christ, which says love others the way that Jesus loved them, supersedes that. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I will use that as a way to say no to mm-hmm. my desires or my freedoms because of the benefit for somebody else. It's yeah. like a skill level one, skill level two thing. Skill level one is Daniel knows that the, 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 he has a temptation that could lead him into sin, which is you know the, the not prioritizing his time correctly. So skill level one is he takes his stuff off of his phone. Skill level two would be me knowing that mm-hmm. and and not saying hey daniel i'm going to share this this app with you because this game is awesome i know that you have this thing or but i'm just teasing or or, or you know oh maybe maybe just you know whatever like i shouldn't be tempting you with that and that's that's skill level one is identifying it for yourself skill level two is is playing well with others or yeah. in daniel's case <laughs> not playing well with others. <laughs> yeah, i know exactly so literally yeah. and, and so paul Paul does he does say this well at the very end of this chapter, um, and and this is one of my favorite verses. I know I say that a lot, but I mean it this time. This is one that I've really prayed over, and and I've I've tried to apply it as almost like a mantra to my to my own life. Uh, it's, it's it's verse thirty one. He says, "So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God." Mm-hmm. That's it, mm-hmm. man. That's still that's the skill level one, right? Yeah. So whatever we do, we're doing it for the glory of God. We, we have God on our minds with how we behave. But then, as we read this over, I, I was seeing this with the skill level two piece. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God, just as I, Paul, try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. So, man, Paul... Paul's doing things for the glory of God, which which it's for God, but it kind of helps him too, mm-hmm. right? But that that second level is he's trying not to offend others. He's trying to be cognizant of others. And the reason why is if he does that, then maybe someone sees Jesus yeah. and who he is and how he acts. Mm-hmm. And that should be how we how we behave. Yeah. I mean it's the 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 way to say it in Christianese is denying yourself for the glory of the yes. kingdom. Yes. That's exactly what it is, and that's the perfect analogy for it. I mean, for today's standards, you know, like when Daniel brought up the the alcoholism thing, that's what I always think of as a good way to um, to think of it. If you're having a gathering, a party, whatever, and you have a friend coming over who you know struggles with alcoholism, yes, you can have the alcohol there, but it's better to deny yourself because what, what's it matter to you really anyway if you don't have an addiction to it, to have it or not? So you choose not to have it, for the betterment of that person to not draw them away from God and you're glorifying the kingdom of God by denying yourself something. And it's, I, I think it's, it's an awesome way to explain that. You know, something that I have a problem with in our society is we're very, very me focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, when we talk about right and wrong, we really talk about what's right or wrong for me. Yeah. Um, I think of, of a classic one is, is how we dress. Right, whether it's provocatively or not, and people, and, and I remember um, someone I really love uh, in the National Guard. Um, I won't say her name, but but I really respect her. But she said something that kind of threw me for a loop when we were doing a sexual, you know, harassment training. She spoke this through a bunch of chaplains and assistants, and everybody was like, "Ugh." <laughs> she says, um, 
look, I should be able to walk across the stage naked and not feel any danger. I'm like, okay, I agree with the principle. But the thing is, is that we should be thinking about other people with how we present ourselves. Yes. I agree we shouldn't have to worry about someone hurting you. But like the way that we present ourselves as Christians, I'm not trying to apply this to the world or laws or any of that well, mess. We don't have any right to do that. Right. You know? No. It, it, yeah. Paul would t- even would say that he would say that we don't have the right to judge necessarily the people outside the church, but this is us inside the church, how we act and how, what we reflect. So our, our, our first thought should be, how does my behavior affect other people? Mm, yeah. And so if by the way we dress, by the way we talk, by the way we act, what we eat, what we do, it's not just about you. It's about how does that affect another person? Yeah. So I know that that's not a very popular message. And, well, but, but I think I think it's true <laughs> that we should be thinking about other people. It's I'll tell you what, it is I just had uh we all got together last night for a gathering of like staff and stuff for something and um I had a conversation with my wife the entire way there about this because it is so not a part of our culture anymore. Um denying yourself. It's in modern speak, it's consideration for others in a way. And there is so, I think it's because our, our uh, society has become so self-focused that there is just such a lack of consideration for others and that it doesn't even occur to people anymore so much. And for me, it's something that I've always really put an emphasis on. Yeah. So I have a little check in my spirit that I probably need to work on because I get angry when I see people doing stuff that is not considerate of other people. Um, Little things to big things, whatever it is, but it is such a thing that we need to have so much more of an emphasis on our in our society. So for me, I don't care that it's not a popular subject. We need to make it a popular it's, subject, and it's again. not new. Yeah, that's that, that's another point I have to make. I know we've got to go, guys, but I'm, I'm I, I want to I want to hit this real quick. That like this is stuff that Paul's dealing with. Yeah. See, people are 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 consumed about how things affect them, and he's trying to tell them, look. We have to think of, of other people. And he's talking about freedom. Now hear me on this, because this really applies to America. He's preaching this message to these guys, and he's telling them, hey, and if you look through through all of Paul's stuff, he has this big message of that we are free in Christ. We're not slaves to sin. And, that, and to where he kind of makes this point where it's not about following like all these rules. It's about your relationship with Jesus. It's about serving other people. And so what people do is they're like, yes, we have freedom in Jesus. So then I can do anything I want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they miss the picture that that's, that's a very immature way to take those, those words of Paul. Yeah. It's there, but it's an immature way to apply it. In America, our favorite word is freedom. Mm-hmm. We're founded on freedom. I mean, I, I, I watched this YouTube page where they, they talk about, uh, you know, what they, 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 it's a car thing. They talk about, you know how much horsepower it has. Well, it has you no know, 700 freedoms, you know, like we, <laughs> we just like to use that word because it's like a cool America, you know, thing. Yeah. Sometimes I don't think you think we even know what freedom is because we overuse the word, but that's another topic for another day. The point is, is that we're founded on freedom. Mm-hmm. And so we apply that to ourselves to where we come un- become undisciplined about it. Just because you have freedom, that doesn't mean that you should exercise freedom and everything you have it. But um, but mature people learn when to exercise it. Yeah, and we need to exercise our freedom, both as citizens and especially as Christians. Yeah, we need to exercise our freedom with discipline and with maturity. Well, even yeah. like take the mind of Christ, right? 
who ha- who had the freedom to do whatever he wanted to as the god of the universe creator of all things the one who holds everything together yeah. and he submitted himself he humbled himself yeah, yeah. he uh you know he didn't uh going back to philippians 2 he didn't consider equality with something uh with god something to be grasped and so um you know i, I think paul that, does the same thing in chapter 9 yeah and, and so the, like when he says like i use my weakness you know to to so I can become all things for all people. Yep. And, and so uh, I think that our freedom now in Christ is to serve and love others recklessly. Like that's the freedom that we, that's the thing that we're almost free from is we not, we're not held back by restrictions of, of self-preservation or, you know, insecurity or anything like that. We're completely, our identity and everything we have so is yeah, completely. I'm trying to remember that. Our, our freedom, say recklessly, our, our, our freedom in Christ is to serve others recklessly. It was something like serve that. and love others recklessly. Man, that's good. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I interrupted I mean, you. And we got like, it. But man, I mean, think about what we're we're free from. We're free from insecurities. We're free from self-preservation because we know that we are our eternities are completely safe and you know sealed by the Holy Spirit, and we have such glory ahead of us that if God is for us, who can be against us? You know, no one can take us out of God's hands. We have all of these things, yeah. and so we have the freedom then to know that we don't have to worry. Freedom from insecurities, freedom from, you know, this identity crisis that we face. And so, like, use that then to serve. Don't yeah. use that to, like, to get, to, like, get your own selfish needs met. Your needs have been met above and beyond through Christ, you know. And so that's where I think that as as mature believers, we need to begin to walk in the freedom of self-sacrifice. Yeah. Let me, we got to go ahead and wrap up here, guys, but let me go ahead and pray us out. Heavenly Father, as always, we just thank you, God, for the opportunity to be here today, to share these conversations with each other, and to send them out to anybody who would listen, God, in hopes that that your word is uh, spread, that your word is known, that your heart is understood and known as well, God. So we thank you for that. We just ask going forward that this this chapter, 1 Corinthians, that it, it, it be something that paired with looking at the love of Jesus and the example that he set for us. I just feel like this is such a thing that is needed in our culture today. Talk about spiritual milk. There's so many people in our culture that just don't have an understanding of who you are, of your ways. And I just think that this is, it's really come to me today that this chapter and the example that Jesus set for us, those are two things paired together that could so help our culture begin to understand who you are and and bring people back to you, God. So my prayer is just that in some way, beginning today, that that begins to happen, God, that people take this chapter and that they go out and they use this as an example from Paul with the example of Jesus as a way to to speak truth and love to people and to help them understand who you are, to draw hearts closer to you, God. And that's all that we want to do with this podcast as well. So we just thank you and we lift you up and we just ask going forward that you be with us in all that we do, that we can feel your hand on our shoulder guiding us in all directions and all the decisions that we make in our days and in our lives and our relationships with people as we show them the love that you showed to us, Father. So we just lift you up, and in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, we thank you again for joining us. Thank you for holding out for a week, waiting for us to come back. Thank you, honestly, thank you so much for the comments that you send to us when we post things because it really lets us know one that you guys are listening and that this matters to you but two that you care enough to kind of respond with us and let us know what you're thinking what you're feeling because we want you to know that we really do want to hear from you guys we can't make this any better and reach you guys any better if we don't get feedback from you so just continue to do that if you would and spread the word 
uh, because, and it's not for our glory that we ask you to spread the word. We ask you to spread the word so that more people can be reached by our dumb conversations. <laughs> uh, because God can work through anything. Yes, so, that is, um, that is true. so we thank you. And um, uh, until next week when we talk to you on Tuesday, just go out and be Jesus to each other, love on each other, share the word, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>